Welcome to Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo, where we discuss every episode of the iconic detective show with our special guests. I'm John Morris. And I'm R.J. White. This time around, we're discussing Now You See Him, which originally aired February 26, 1976, starring Jack Cassidy, Robert Loggia, Bob Dishy, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. It was directed by Harvey Hart and written by Michael Sloan. Now, every episode of Just One More Thing, we're joined by a special guest, this time around, it's podcaster and writer Aaron Blayert. But before we bring him on, RJ, set up the plot. All right. Jack Cassidy is the great Santini, no relation to Robert Duvall, a popular magician who harbors a deep, dark, dark secret. Uh-oh, he was a Nazi. And not just any Nazi, but an actual SS officer. When his boss, the Cabaret of Magic, wants 50% of his salary or he'll turn him into the Israeli authorities, Santini, a.k.a. Stefan Mueller, decides it's time to kill off the sweaty blackmailer. The deed is done right in the middle of his act, and it's up to Columbo to see through the tricks, or I'm sorry, illusions, and figure out how to take down this Houdini of homicide. Also, Columbo has a new coach. Uh, Very well done. Thank you. you How do you like that writing it out, RJ? Yeah, it works better than just winging it. All right. It's usually ends up being kind of crummy. Uh, So, Aaron, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hello. How's it going? uh, Not too bad. My first question for you. uh, you, You've lived in Los Angeles a few years now, correct? Correct. Now, now the uh, the place where the murder happens in this episode, the Cabaret of Magic, I mean, it's obviously based on that there's a place there called the Magic Castle or something like that, right? That's correct. Have you ever have you ever been to that? I never have, although our mutual friend, uh, Tony, uh, not only got kicked out, but was banned for life. Tony Zaret, really? No. Tony Zaret, uh, he was banned for life. Apparently, they don't like it when you get super drunk and lie about what card is yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So he got kicked out and apparently is never allowed back. But I, I've I never gotta, been. I've got to ask him about that story sometime because that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. You actually need an invite to get in the Magic House. You can't just go. You Wait, have to what? be invited. Because my yeah, thing yeah, you is, can't, watch, watch you can't this. just go. I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, why do people do this? Because it seems like it's this kind of thing where you go there and you're paying probably way too much for the food and booze. And you're trapped for like three or four hours uh, watching magic tricks. And it's formal, att- formal attire as well. What? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's a whole big thing. So it, it was kind of interesting that uh, – yeah, that the the way they portrayed the Cabaret of Magic was like, I don't know, man. It was very weird in this Columbo episode. Any, anybody weird. can just walk in off the street to see the magic. Yeah, it, as world. if anybody. Yeah, I mean that's that's the kind of the, weirdly the least believable thing is that that many people would want to see magic night after night to the point <laughs> where Santini is that big of a deal. Like he can just fucking tell the police to go fuck off. Yeah, can I, I swear on this, by the way, or not? Yeah, can yeah, I swear it's, fine. it's fine. Okay. It's not. Yeah, Can't it's not a problem. You. Not a problem. Um, okay, so actually, too, um, now, how much uh, Columbo had you, like, how familiar were you with Columbo before uh, we, we set this whole thing up? Zero. I'd never seen an episode of Columbo, and yeah. I wish that I hadn't. Oh, I wish I could go back to those days of never seeing an episode. Oh, you didn't uh, like this, no. then? Uh, well, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> I'm going to say no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's that, was, that was the longest stretched out no I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I knew of Columbo. I knew Peter Falk, obviously working in comedy. Uh, I've seen Peter Falk impressions and Columbo impressions, right. but I'd never actually seen the, the original deal. I, I seriously had probably seen maybe up to this point in my life, two minutes total of, of any Columbo. Ever. Okay. Well, I, uh, I, this is interesting. What, what, what kind of uh, struck you wrong about this then? Well, it's an hour and a half, which yes. is a long, long, long time. And it gives it time to breathe. Oh, there's a lot of breathing. There's too much breathing. Nobody needs that much breathing. And uh, you don't see Columbo for the first half hour, which that's, is like, geez, God. That's the, way, that's the whole premise of the show is you see the killing and then you got to like the last hour or so of him just trying to trap the guy and figure it out. Right. And also everybody is a dick to Columbo. Like, what the fuck? Right. Like, everyone is like oh, yeah. just shit. Everyone is a dick. He's a police officer, by the way. Yes. And yeah, not he, dresses, he dresses like a ventriloquist dummy's bum. Yeah, he yeah, does. Jesus, God. Like, to the point where Santini even at one point is like, I'm sorry, me and my lady have to go. And he just leaves Columbo at a table. Like, guess what? You're not allowed to do that. You can't just. It's like <laughs> that John Mulaney joke of, like, Law & Order. Everyone is just so completely at ease with talking to the police that they just, like, don't. It's, like, not even a big deal that, like. You know, like he's talking to the waiter in the kitchen. There's a point where he's like, hey, did you bring uh, Santini his brandy? And the guy's like, hey, I got to get back to my table. This guy's a fucking cop. And there's been a murder. Like, the, you're bought, the guy who owns your club has been murdered to death. And you're like, oh, might get their lobster five minutes later. Like, give the guy a fucking break, man. This is either going to be the shortest episode of this podcast ever or the longest. It's the longest. I, I got a lot of things to say. Plus, why the fuck does Columbo wear a raincoat? It's L.A. It never rains here. We're in a drought. If you, oh, I know. Hey, hey, here's an L.A. detective. What one signature piece should we pick from? Umbrella? No, let's just go raincoat. Like, well, what the fuck? He, who wears a raincoat? It's like 90 degrees here every day. Which brings up a wonderful point in this episode. Uh, he's got that dirty raincoat. There's a, there's a nice running gag where his wife actually gave him a new raincoat and he can't think in it. So he's constantly trying to get rid of the raincoat. And Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of got – I was like, oh, like, yeah, Columbo is a raincoat. That's cool. But then I was like, raincoat? Like, I'm shocked that so many people are wearing long pants and shoes and not flip-flops and shorts like real L.A. Well, like, it was the what? 1970s. It was a yeah, fancier time. You haven't so, seen think people were didn't wear shorts and flip flops in the seventies. <laughs> I, I can't believe people weren't walking around with white people dreads and uh, Smash Mouth t shirts. <laughs> it was the seventies. You were still a little formal. We we're coming out of and, the formal sixties. And plus, uh, they, they were going to a fancy spot like the uh, comedy or the uh, cabaret of magic. You're not going to dress like a slob going to the cabaret of magic. Yeah, my God. And Jesus, could you make, like, that's like what my hell would be, like the art direction. Oh, is that, that's, like, it's terrible. All, all it's a terrible looking place from the top the to the bottom. Dress, all the waitresses are dressed like Playboy bunnies, like like Mormon Playboy bunnies. Yes, like, half like of, not even like, in a good way. Oh, yeah, yes, it's, it's, not a good way. Yes, it's like completely crazy. And then it's all like red leather and like, you know, there's that, that place definitely has like black mold. There's like some oh, yeah, crazy, like. Because it's, it's probably like velvet on the walls, and you know that's just it, the place probably smells terrible because you probably smoke in there, and it's just like, oh, soaking in every definitely smoke oh, in yeah. there. That's one of the weirdest. Yeah. That remains one of the greatest like disconnects of watching old Columbos is Columbo constantly lighting a cigar in every room in the world. Yeah, right. everywhere he goes, say a hospital, hey, smoking a cigar. You know, it, everything his car smoking a cigar. Yeah, 
exactly. Well, I mean, and the, yeah. thing is, the decor of the place, it starts the guy who owns it because his office looks terrible. It's like <laughs> oh, it's, it's terrible. It's like a guy in the 1970s got a lot of money and thought, you know what? I got fancy taste. I'm going to be fancy and classical and like buying a bunch of like uh, fake classical stuff from Sears. Well, there's nothing like eating. He's like eating lobster out of a silver bucket when yeah, he starts yeah, the episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> literally like, bring me lobster boiled in champagne in a silver, silver bucket. bucket. Have orphans bring it. And the Santini, Grand Santini's office is a fucking janitor basement. It's like a yeah. Freddy Krueger out. It's like the guy is Great Santini. It's like, yeah, dude, you're in like literally you're in a basement and it's all dark. Like, and you're a prick to Columbo. Like, well, I'm the Great Santini. Yeah, well, the boiler. Your your desk is next to the boiler. Like, what the fuck? It's a mess. Yeah, that was that was horrifying. Well, Everything it's, it's like that because he's he's got to be saving money because uh, his boss is wanting like fifty thousand dollars from him, or else he's going to tell everyone he's a Nazi. So. Right, exactly. I, you know, the other thing I loved is not only was it like it was clear, like, oh, let's just sh- there's nothing really magical about this club. Let's just shoot here. We got this as a location. And then also there's like several times like you could tell that they didn't have enough money to do like another take. Like even in the very opening shot, like it's just like kind of uh, or maybe it's like the second shot. It's it starts on like this weird like red circle frame thing, and there's a weird stained glass pigeon, and then it kind of moves in one shot over to the great Santini, like the the poster of like performing tonight, the great Santini. But it's like real shaky at points. Like the guy didn't oil up. You his know what? Tripod. I did. I did know. You know what? I did notice it. Yeah, second time I was watching, I did notice like the the shot it's does just, kind of get. Just, and like, do it again. Do another take. No, we got it. And there's another point where Peter Falk is like. He's clapping furiously before he goes up on stage to the Great Santini, and he knocks this folder he has off the table as he's clapping. Nah, we got it. Don't do another. <laughs> it's fine. Let's just move on. It's like, Jesus Christ. All right. Don't, you don't want to do it? No, we got one take. It's fine. We got to go to lunch. It's like, Jesus, man. Just don't care at all about the production values. It was completely there was crazy. A- I tried to ignore this because I, RJ and I, you're going to discover, loved this episode. We think it's really quite good, uh, which I'm sure we'll have to defend later. But the one thing that I, I had to turn a deliberate just, blind eye. I'm sorry, terrible. what? I was just, that must mean the other episodes of Columbo are absolutely terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but the, the one thing I had to turn a deliberate blind eye to was how shitty the magic tricks were. Like, well, yeah. Literally. Yeah, because <laughs> there are somewhere. Yeah, you, you can like they're doing like the cheat where they do the cutaway when he's actually right. doing the trick. But then there's a couple where like he's actually trying to do them. But then there's a lot where it's like, oh yeah, here's a blanket in front of the table, and you know that okay, there's a stagehand behind yeah. that sheet from the angle who just put the flower vase out there, and everybody behind you asking like, oh well, oh so that was just, amazing that just appeared. I yeah. think I, the one that the one that got me was when uh, Santini's in the tank and his. Uh-huh daughter has to do an act in order to occupy the audience and they yes. cut to her and she's literally just waving a scarf up and down for five minutes before the trick <laughs> yeah. actually happens that was amazing but at least she was better than the lounge singer guy that she's shacking uh, up with and one uh, thing i one thing i don't like about this episode it, it actually put me on the side of an ex-nazi ss officer and thinking okay this guy's <laughs> dick his daughter shouldn't be dating him the nazi's <laughs> right, right. The Nazis got a point. They made you actually sure. sympathize with the Nazis, yes, at least Nazis. for just one second. Like, you know this, what? He's done this, some things, but you know what? Like, he's the okay episodes, here. The episode's choice quote is R.J. White, the Nazis got a point. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> they did. Dude, that's how it starts, man. Slippery slope. <laughs> first, first 
things like, well, I guess that guy shouldn't be dating my daughter. The second one is kill all the Jews. <laughs> That's where it goes. Well, speaking, Ed, speaking of speaking of uh, things like that, I I'd seen this a while ago, and I was watching it again for uh, for uh, doing this, and I'd completely forgotten about when the boss is confronting him and threatening him with the blackmail and all that stuff. And before as he's leaves as he leaves the office, uh, Santini does his off his uh, boss doing a sarcastic Heil Hitler to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, I'm thinking when I see stuff like this. It's like, well, this was 1976. This wasn't nearly as long after all of that as we are now, where it seems like, oh, well, you see, it kind of done, you know, for dramatic. But, like, if you're sitting there watching TV on a Sunday night in 1976, and you see this guy go, like, oh, Hitler, and the hand's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Slow it down. That was, yeah. Well, that's, was, that's the thing we talked about with. Uh, uh, it's as if. It's as if something happened in the '80s. I mean, that's that's the time period you're talking about, basically. Like, and that's crazy that you would make. I think a, it, it, a, it's, a, it's the the distance to it. So now you'd have. I mean, people kind of use not as a joke or a gag, but just it was kind of shocking just to see it so blunt and and use that. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked well for me because of that. But it was kind of like, well, I they went they did that. That's well, this is what we talked about with the John Cassavetes episode because that has Cassavetes character scoring a documentary about Hitler. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And a re- it's a really f- weirdly uh, frivolous scene because he's dressed like a referee and everybody's and there, there's about there's about to be a murder accusation happening in the room. But we were talking about how Hitler was real to those people. He's a historical figure to us because we were born in the seventies. But. Yeah. These these are folks who actually remember him in the same way we remember any other world leader we ever went to war with. That's true. right. Yeah, yeah. So to he has like a, there's a level of disconnect with us and any image or reference to Hitler or Nazism that they didn't have, and that might have led to like a little more familiarity and and comfort. I think right. with doing depictions of Nazism back then. Well, I mean, and also right. there's this guy too. I mean. He, as soon as you see the Santini character, and Jack Cassidy plays him really well as this theatrical just jerk, just a complete <laughs> and total asshole, and they make it work. Like, okay, he's he's been confronted with the fact, like, okay, that old man spotted you as an SS officer, and he tries. Well, no, he says spotted you as a Nazi, and Santini tries to have like, oh well, you know, I was a boy. We were all having to be Nazis in Germany. So he's like, no, you're an SS officer. You have to yes. specifically <laughs> yeah, that's decide to do that. What they, they, what the guy say? Like, oh yeah. He says, like, yeah, well, no one was a boy unless he was being taken into the ovens. It's like, oh, my God. I know. That was pretty intense. That was kind of a harsh line, yeah. Yeah. Especially he went back to eating his uh, lobster in the bucket. That reminds me of it. And sweating heavily. Because he was a – the the arc of the character they give is that he's a vaudeville performer throughout Europe after the war. Do you think when he was an SS officer, he was like, you got to go check out Klaus. He's a real cut-up. And he's like always doing <laughs> magic tricks for the other Nazis. Like, oh, here's a little one for my friends. Pick a card. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like when they're when they're actually shuffling people onto the trains, they're like, oh, tell us tell us that joke again. Well, no, it's Show it's it's, it's, it's a daily clown cried pretty much. It's oh wow. There you go. Oh. The yeah, there you thing. go. Wow, invoke the daily clown cried. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Well done. Something, something. Uh, yeah, it was it was a little. I gotta say, it was pretty. I mean, I really kind of felt like having never seen Columbo before, I was like, this is the most insane plot anyone could ever think. Like, they've really run out of ideas. This, like, this is I, one of the clearer ones, though. There have been. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, there's a lot more obtuse this, ones. Because this is an ex SS officer posing as a magician. Yes. Murdering a blackmailing, sweaty club owner. Yeah. 
it's just so insane. It, like it, it was really like, weird, but yeah, because like there's a lot of other ways you can think of reasons for some guy who performs clubs to want to kill someone who runs a club, and they go yes. with that. It's very. Why do you need the whole SS thing? Can't he just be in debt to this guy or something? Like, like yeah. money, is mo- money is not motive enough. You have to throw like the Nazis into it and make him a magician. It's just so crazy. And then the other thing too is how dumb Columbo is. He's a fucking idiot. Well, wait, like, wait, how so? How uh, so? How is he dumb and how is he an idiot? How, whole, how about the whole ten minute sequence where uh, he's like, wait a second. Wait, so is there a way – There, somebody – you heard the great Santini's voice out of this room, and the guy's like, oh, you could easily do that with a microphone and a speaker. Oh, you mean like a fucking telephone? Like a speakerphone that Columbo uses every day? Like, Well, no, wait. it was like a little – it was a little uh, portable radio deal is what he was using. I mean, I think that's probably part of what it was too. Plus the whole gimmick he had set up, like the Lacan game thing uh, with, with the uh, waiter who thought he was in there because he actually did that – uh, stupid mind reading trick and right. actually made it seem like he was there at the time yeah it's like Columbo had never heard of a tele like what do you mean a voice can go somewhere else in a place that the person's not in I don't understand it was like dude come on man like this is this breaking my heart <laughs> <laughs> I love okay, this. so many scenes in this episode that I love the pieces, and oh my god! Oh, well, let me okay. Let me ask you about this then. How about the the, the, the <laughs> damn? In my opinion, the damn incredible uh, scene with the uh, the handcuffs, where he just nails him halfway through the episode, where he right. just nails him dead to rights. Where Santini knows, like, oh crap! If I undo these handcuffs, I've screwed myself, and Columbo knows it. And it's, and so it that whole scene where he's waiting for him to do it, and he finally does it because he can't look like an asshole on stage. But then right there, he proves his guilt, and Columbo knows, and now he has to, like, get to the point of actually proving the rest of it. Like, come on, but that, that, was, that it, wasn't a bad scene. That was a good scene. That was, first of all, it was ridiculous. Oh, like, goodness gracious. Columbo gets oh, up, like, this guy, like, just gets up in the middle of the thing. First of all, he's a police officer. Well, no, like, he's trying to be obnoxious and throw this guy off his game. He always does that. He always does that thing where he tries to throw people off by just making them uncomfortable or just kind of being, like, overly just fake humble about stuff to get them to get their so, egos to I guess, them up. So, so I guess that's a that's a Columbo trademark that uh that all of a sudden he just turns into a crazy but because yes, pretty much because Santini, why wouldn't here's a here's a, a great way to outsmart Columbo. No. Sit back down. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. A, uh, I'm in the middle of a performance, so if anybody tried to get up on stage normally, I would just tell them to sit, sit fucking down. But, he, B, but Columbo uh, knew my, the guy's ego yeah, wouldn't my, let him my, do that. My entire murder case rests my, – my, my entire motive rests on this fact if the handcuffs go on or not. Why don't I just refuse to do it? Like <laughs> I don't get that at all. It doesn't make any sense. I, I love the fact that – your, your main problem is like the basic structure of the show is like the basic, well, what do you like about it? The basic structure of the program and the way it's set up and the basic tenets of the character. Those are things like, uh, I did not like specific plot points, but like the way the basic show works is because what you don't like about it. It's that's great. True. I, I don't like, <laughs> first of all, I don't like the fact, like, look, an hour and a half is crazy. What do you do? That's <laughs> Because it was a, it was like a TV movie every time, but the commercials, then it would be two uh, hours. Yeah. Lee, Jesus Christ. Man, you, really, you probably really wouldn't have liked McLeod or McMillan and wife either. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I can't imagine. I, I no. I'm guessing I wouldn't. No. Second of all, he, okay, here's the, here's my problem with Columbia. This is my problem. Okay. I, Thank God we're finally getting this. <laughs> halfway through the episode, because I was like in the beginning when they show you how it's done, right? They show you like who. I'm guessing this happens every time, right? You see the murder happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then the the whole point of Columbo is to see how he figures it out. Yes, right, right exactly. Okay, yeah. I don't care how he figures it out. <laughs> like Columbo, because it doesn't matter to me because Columbo's stupid. Oh. Columbo, all he does is just like, uh, uh, well, how does a telephone work? Uh, how does this? How did put the these? The telephone hands one up? really got you. The telephone one was the one where they really. I, I literally stood up and I was like, "Come on!" I just yelled really loud. Just was like, "Oh, come on, Columbo!" Let me, uh, let me, Aaron. Let me pitch to you your your perfect Columbo episode. Then uh, it it An opens with a of guy. She wrote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just it's starts. With, uh, it's some, uh, some guy stabs another guy. Columbo opens the door, says, "You're going to jail," and then credits roll. Yes. It's about a tight ninety <laughs> seconds. Oh my god! Well, can we and cut he's it? Dressed, and he's dressed in shorts. Right. Oh, Jesus. And a T-shirt because it's hot. Yeah. Yes. And then every and every and then there's a guy at the door going, "I had to let him in. He's a cop." <laughs> uh, you know what I will say? I will say this. Okay. I did really enjoy the last ten minutes. You did. Oh, I did. Yeah. Well, here's here's why. Here's why. Because again, my fundamental problem with the shit, why I had problems suspending my disbelief, was basically because everybody just treated Columbo like such garbage the entire time. And I get it that like, he's like flying under the radar and stuff, but dude, realistically, if Columbo is this good of a detective, he's not going to fly on the radar. People would be like, Oh shit, it's fucking Columbo, you know, like, and so he wouldn't be able to play dumb every single time, but the end is great. Like how he kind of like, and I love that. That's one thing I, I love about like Raymond Chandler. Uh, the Raymond Chandler novels is that thing. The last you- page. Right, exactly. It's it's how it all kind of comes together. The right. problem is in the Raymond Chandler novels, you don't see it done in the beginning, and that's the issue. Is okay. so it's also we're also finding out with Philip Marlowe, uh, who's the detective in all the Raymond Chandler novels, very Columbo esque, right. by the way. But uh, we're fi- we're finding out as he's doing it, so it's a revelation to us. But I think in Columbo, like the traditional the traditional mystery structure, pretty much, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so well, that well. In the early ones, like the but Philip Marlowe ends up not being about murder mysteries after about the third book, right? Philip, that's true. Philip Marlowe starts becoming a cultural thing, which in right. a lot of ways I think that's what Columbo does too. Columbo, but <laughs> if you've read the Mallory Ortberg article, which is one of the inspirations for doing this podcast, Columbo represents a class war that was that was distinct, but in the process of changing in the early 1970s. That maybe doesn't exist now in the same way it did. Like we still, we obviously still have a one percent sticking it to the ninety nine percent. Are you talking about the class war between magicians and Nazis? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no, that that's 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 more of an age old thing. That's not really a class war thing. That's an age that's, that's an age old cake grudge. So at all? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That is no. straight up the plot of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it kind of is. Yeah, great point. But no, there's there's always uh, like uh, celebrities or famous people or millionaires or rich people or politicians. Who feel that they don't that they're above the law or above social rules? They get to uh, they're blackmailed into murder because of some wrongdoing. That's almost always blackmail. But yeah. uh, and then when this schlub of uh, of a hobo looking police detective shows up, they want to dismiss him. And then when he proves persistent, they want to like put him down and prove that they're better than him. And it's a, it's a it's a class issue. 
in the same way that uh, Philip Marlowe represented a class issue, that he was particularly in The Long Goodbye, where he is uh, you know, ousted from that writer's and that uh, socialite society. Yeah, interesting. That's really interesting. I guess seeing through that lens, that makes sense. However, can your class issue explain, A, why it's fucking 90 minutes long, which is ridiculous? Because <laughs> it was a, a two-hour so TV movie. It was a two-hour TV so movie. You're ridiculous. Don't it show aired, us. It aired in like a few weeks. It's Yeah, I don't know. Don't show us the murder. What the hell? Let me... Like good lord! At least leave. At least have a door closed and then a gunshot from behind a door. So it's like, oh man, something. Just but, like because it's so boring. You're like, ugh. But, but man, you, like, you I guess that, I, don't, I don't care about the downtrodden. I guess I'm more the one percent guy. Well, I, no, you, you brought <laughs> up you, you brought up like in like the last ten minutes, and I think the last ten minutes is kind of what Columbo is when he's not putting on that whole sort of facade of, oh, well, you know, I'm just a dumb cop. Don't don't mind me. Uh, right. Because there's that thing where Santini comes up to the desk. It's like, oh, well, do you have a suspect? And Columbo just says very slowly, oh, we do, but we don't have motive for you. And just like flat out telling him right there, like, no, you're you're the one. And so right. he's like, oh, and he gets all like kind of. Mr. High Class, like, well, whatever, screw you, blah, 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 and, like, stalks out of the room. And next time you see them together, it, yeah, it's that last thing where he's just pulling the uh, evidence letters out of his jacket and pretty much mocking him and mocking his profession and mocking the whole magic thing and saying, like, you're going to prison, shitheel. That's it. You're done. You're finished. Now, was there ever, in Colombo, was there ever a... Because here's what I would love to see. I would love to see someone... And they probably didn't care about doing this because obviously the point of Columbo is just to do kind of the same thing over and over and over. But I would have loved to have seen a Moriarty character uh, or like a grandmaster who's pulling kind of things behind oh, the scenes. I hate that kind of stuff, though. I hate that. I don't like no, where, where, where instead of an arrogant guy, it's somebody who's who's, you know, flying under the radar as Columbo does. So to see how Columbo could match wits. Did that, did that ever happen? I'm guessing no. No, because like, it was pretty much it was just like rich and powerful jerks would murder someone and think they're geniuses and think that they did the best job of murdering anybody ever murdered. Right. And it turns out like, oh, well, no, you forgot a couple things. And uh, right. that's why you're going to jail. Yeah, there, was, there wasn't really any – yeah, I don't think there ever were any repeaters on the show. Yeah, my, my, other, my other big beef with Columbo is – the guy who's uh, is it Columbo's boss? Who's the really stupid cop? Who's like I oh, think Bob, it's the oh he's so, he's some, yeah Dishy. yeah the, the actor's name is Bob Dishy. He play, yeah he plays a sergeant. Now he's just like some other guy in the force who's under Columbo who just pretty much uh, Columbo was annoyed. I mean, you can see that when he first comes in and the the, the patrolman tells him like oh Sergeant So and So is in there and he's like oh really yeah Sergeant Wilson yeah and you see Columbo just kind of like pause for him, like oh crap all right and then have to like. Go and deal with this idiot who just right because like, I gets feel like that, all the time that that could have cut a good fifteen twenty minutes out. You know what I'm saying? I I'll give you that. that. You don't need that guy. You don't need that. Guy. Although I'm sure people are like, ha ha ha. Nope, it's not the waiter, silly man. Well, you know, is, you- I, I remember reading someplace a while ago that apparently, like a a network or somebody, one of the producers, or something decided like, oh well, maybe maybe Columbus should have some kind of younger sidekick or some kind of sidekick kind of guy. And younger I think Balter, this this younger... might have yeah this might have been a bit of a stab at that but then they just sort of kind of let stuff like that go away because yeah it why doesn't do they, really why fit. did they pick a guy who actually looks older than Peter Falk though I don't know right it's, it's, yeah, yeah although he is he's younger he doesn't he's got that receding hairline and yeah 
Anyway. Also, man, everybody in this episode is ugly. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Like good-looking people, and this is television for God's sake. Well, I mean, well, the the uh, that uh, that lounge singer boyfriend guy just kind of looks like this really just cheap bargain oh, basement guess. Robert Wagner Michael Shannon hybrid, and he, he just sings looks- terribly. And the audience is he's singing a re- like. Can you imagine like assuming in this world this club is a um, sort of invitation only thing? You're paying a crap load of money to go there and watch magic, and you have to sit there through this guy sing a really slow, depressing song. It has nothing to do with magic. Yeah, yeah. who knows right. how long his set was before the actual magic show. They could have been sitting there for like an hour, half an hour, listening to this guy and his bad tux just sing like that. It's just, ugh. Like, oh, man, and- like, like a clip art dude come to life. Like a <laughs> word clip art, but then like he's a real person. Pretty much. Imagine having to face all that, and then when you leave, you go through the gift shop, and they are David staring at you. No. <laughs> with that sort of like inflated David Gilmore looking face of his. Yeah, that guy also, was weird. What was, dude. What, what's the whole point of hiding the gun in the statue? Like, what was that about? It was dumb. He was I in his like own. He, yeah, I, so that was one. I, that is one point I thought was peculiar. I think maybe to show you, oh, it's a magic place. There's hidden passages everywhere. I don't know. I'm not sure Ooh, what that was about. It's, it's my own office. Instead of keeping it in a locked desk, I'm going to put it in a statue, even though no one ever comes in here ever except and, for me. And I'm basically just going to take it out next tonight, tomorrow night anyway. Another peculiar thing with that, and, and also keeping in mind, I did like this episode a great deal. I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought it was a little uh, weird that his plan hinged on some sort of weird 70s novelty lamp thing making it seem as though he was moving around in the room for like 10 minutes right yeah, because terrible. who is that going to who who's that gonna fool that's very yeah. strange like oh he's dancing back and forth for yeah 10 minutes. well it's even macaulay culkin did a better job in fucking home alone you know, actually that would have been a good rig up but he would have been there in the room still so how would he get upstairs to kill somebody uh touche we can't use a oscillating fan that didn't have any odd tie it rope to an oscillating fan to to a rocking chair. Boom. Done. Columbus. <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying. Santini, oh, Santini's in his dressing room rocking furiously. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He always sits in front of a fan for 20 minutes. Before he, uh, <laughs> He's, I thought you were just going to have like a mannequin tied to a rotating fan. <laughs> yeah, Santini's <laughs> running around the room in a circle like he always does. Robert Loggia looks exactly the same. Isn't that weird? Right? He does. And they don't use him nearly in, enough in this episode. But yeah. Because back, back then, how how big a guy was? Was he kind of well-known yet back in 76 or no? Oh, I don't know. Uh, let me look up. Because it seems like he had been in looked, some stuff. Because it seems like he would be something better than a maitre d' back yeah. in 76. Yeah. I, I know. Like he looks just always been a TV guy. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah scrolling actor. back. Scrolling back. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he was on uh, Mannix. He was on the show Harry O. Mc, uh, Mil- oh, he played a guy on Macmillan Wife named Demetrios Anapopoulos. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder. Greeky McGreekerton is yeah, his right. same name. Um, yeah, you're right. He just did TV stuff. He played a, oh, Hans Eichler on Wonder Woman. So he, ironically, he seems like he might have played a Nazi on the Wonder oh, Woman TV boy. series. Oh, look at that. The yeah, you're right. It is. It's all TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Huh. He looks exactly the same though as he did in like Lost Highway, like a couple like in two thousand seven. I guess or he's just always, except his hair is darker and that's kind of it. Otherwise, he just always yeah. kind of looked like an old fellow, an old dude like that. I don't know. Uh, so what? Okay, so aside from the last ten minutes, Aaron, was there anything at all that you liked or did not find? Uh, can I? Can teeth I? Gratingly annoying. Let me pitch something to you, and you tell me if you found this at all charming. All right. 
All right, now I I personally enjoyed the interaction between Cassidy and Falk when when he's practicing when uh, Cassidy's practicing the terrible House of Cards trick. Oh right, yeah, yeah. To an empty room, and there's a real nice look back and forth between them. Did that do anything for you? No, because uh, it was it just seemed weird that he didn't know that he was there for like even though they're like ten feet apart. <laughs> he's like, oh wait a second. He's like, oh, I see. Oh, I, there you are. It's like he's been doing his trick, and Peter Falk comes in and sits there for like 10 minutes, and he's like literally five feet away from the guy, and he's like, oh, I didn't see you there. Yeah, you did. It's a brightly lit, empty club with no one else in it except for you who's on stage and me who's five feet away. So you clearly saw me come in. Stop being so passive-aggressive. Well, that's what the script said. Yeah, well, that, that's why go. I didn't see him. Okay, man, I'm I did. This. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it did win. I, by the, the end, won me over, I will say. The end, the last, I really liked, because the thing is, I was just so angry at him being, like, shit on and then, you know, being stupid the entire time. So, like, at the end, when he kind of pulls it around, it's like, oh, yeah, all right. You know, like, it was, I was glad I didn't want to wait 90 minutes for that. But I was like, right. this would be a good 30-minute show. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cut a lot of that crap out and then because it's just like how many times does he need to go back to the great santini like dude like he goes back to him like honestly like six times he talks to him like you're a terrible you need to talk to somebody six times you're a terrible detective well actually like, uh, by, by this time uh, the guy who played the great great santini uh jack cassidy i think it was his, his third time playing a uh, killer on the show uh, oh yeah oh. yeah yeah his first one was the uh, first episode of the show uh the one directed by steven spielberg uh, he did another one that Mickey Spillane Wait, was in. Spielberg directed the first episode of Columbo? Yeah. yeah. He, he was just off of um, Duel. That's insane. And That's it amazing. looks great. The, the opening is just amazing. It's just, yeah. Anyway, um, he was also in one uh, called Publisher Parish, uh, Mickey Spillane. He ends up killing Mickey Spillane in that one or having him killed. And this oh. is third and last one because um, yeah, cause he, he had some issues. It. Yeah. What were the issues? Uh, he was he, he liked watching uh, daughter have sex with her boyfriend in his dressing room was that, <laughs> yes, that was part of it that was creepy he was uh he's a uh, jack cassidy so i'm a huge fan of jack cassidy's uh and and possibly because he was a wildly manic depressive alcoholic oh boy uh and his uh his life uh do you, rj do you want to tell the cool story or do you want to tell the death story um because well, I'll tell you, the, de- the, the, the death the, story is really sad. He, the, uh, RJ frames it as he died by, what was it, cigarettes and Nagahide? Yeah, pretty much. He fell asleep smoking, and oh. uh, they found the charred corpse. Oh, yeah. that's... So that's, that's not the good story. The cool but was story. it his? Was it hit one more thing? There was question. Was actually, there was question. They found this, like, uh, they, yeah, there was actually some question to that. Because he well, was kind of kooky. Yeah. Um, John... Yeah. Well, Shirley, he was married to Shirley Jones, and, and Shirley Jones tells a story that when – I think they're in Oklahoma together and touring, and at one point she goes into his dressing room to find him buck-ass naked, reading a newspaper, sitting on a chair. And when okay. she tells him, Jack, we've got we've to get dressed. We're, we're going on. And he just kind of calmly lowers the paper and says, I now realize I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that's, so that's where that all was. Yeah, famously. But I tell you, I love But he's a good, he's Jack, a good, yeah, no, he's Jack a good Cass- actor. And I think because um, he always is kind of this very uh, theatrical kind of guy. So it seemed like this part, right. very playing, playing this kind of jerk magician, like, you know, yeah. how those guys usually tend to be. This seemed to fit him very well. Even when he first sits in with the, the boss, 
And he's doing, just doing these ridiculous gestures with his hands for no reason. But, you know, right. like, oh, I'm being a magician. Ooh, I'm mesmerizing. You know, it's, just, it's very strange. Ten years later, if that episode were filmed in may, maybe maybe not 1986, maybe 15 years later, if if Penn Teller if, or Penn Gillette was not actually playing the murderer, uh, Penn and Teller would have at least had a very important scene in the Magic Castle. Right, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. This was a murder mystery from 15 years later. It would have been Penn Gillette is a former Nazi murderer. Yeah, that's true. And instead of just a wacko libertarian, he would have been a former right. Nazi instead. So, now, do, do you guys movie. think, now being such big fans of Columbo, do you think if there was a reboot, who would play Columbo or could no one ever replace Peter Falk? We, actually, we, uh, we, we talked, talked about, about this actually. every now and again, yeah. Uh, I... I I'm gonna. I'm calling up my list as we talk because I actually have more. Well, I mean, it's come up. It's come up a lot. Like uh, Mark Ruffalo, there's been talk about him. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Doing it. And apparently, he I said mean, like, "Oh, I'd love to play Columbo because he kind of looks like him a little bit too." But you could see him playing the kind of, yeah, playing that pretty well. Well, because uh, the have, men- the Mentalist is basically Columbo with Simon Baker in it. I have never really seen much of that, so it's kind of it's the same sort of because I think you, it's very Columbo esque. It's very Columbo esque, and they tape right next to us uh, on the Warner Brothers oh. lot, so I see them all. <laughs> so you see the mysteries, so, so it's like you're almost watching Columbo because you see how the murder happened. I don't know though. There you go, exactly. I have uh, my top of my list is Forrest Whitaker. Oh, was, that's I, interesting. Yeah. Because he's like, got that uh, kind of hangdog expression, he always seems a little beaten, but he always he has that obvious intelligence. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Presence. And he also has a weird lazy eye, also, doesn't he? Yeah, yep. there you go. He does. Perfect. Yeah. My, my he wouldn't have to choice. hire somebody else and then uh, take their eye out, so it's good. Right, or which CGI. is what you would do. Yeah, CGI the eye. Uh, my second <laughs> choice is is Dan Hedaya, circa nineteen ninety eight. Who that? <laughs> Who's that? He was uh, Nick Tortelli on Cheers. Yeah. Carla's ex husband. He's been uh, on tons of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Google it. Now, it's one of those guys who Murphy saw you like TV, 80s TV. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, Leonard, Leonard Pierce recommended John Hawks, who played Saul Star on Dead Man. Uh, John Hawks, great. Yeah, John he Hawks, would be very yeah. good. He would be very good, yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I just want to ask about another scene, uh, what you guys thought of it. I can kind of guess what Aaron thought of it already. Um, <laughs> I might have loved it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a thing. I think it's a thing that also calls back to the whole class thing that's a theme in the entire series. Because all the time he's going to these fancy houses, offices, people offering Columbo drinks, and he's like, ah, no, I'm on duty. But this episode, he goes to see that sad old ex vaudevillian guy who's saying oh, it's yeah. a flop house. Oh, man. The guy with and the sword face? That was and, horrible. Yeah, and the guy asks him, like, oh, you want a beer? And Columbo's, sure. Columbo gets a beer out of his icebox and actually has a beer with this old dude. And like oh, yeah. most of the time, he doesn't do stuff like that. But this time, he's like, oh, "I'll have a beer with this nice old sad man." Pretty much, like, right? I because thought... the guy's on his level because he's not trying to dupe him. He's uh, he's right. one of them. He's one of him, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was actually kind of a nice. Uh, I, you know, that. I like that scene is because he's looking around the room and he's doing that. You know, yeah, is that your TV? Is that your hot plate? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's, he's asking the so, guy, like, actually, like, oh, you own that, right? That's that's your thing that yeah. you own. You're saying- made service. You got made service. Part of me felt like Columbo was thinking. You know, God forbid Mrs. Columbo dies first. <laughs> I could end up here. Maybe maybe I'll end up here. Yeah. That's right. Could be. Good point. Yeah, he's always thinking. His mind is always working. Oh, Do you ever see him? Gets thrown out because of the gets thrown out because he loses the coat. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever see his wife? No, you don't. She's always well, uh, it's a complicated well not there, that complicated. No. You don't ever see her in the show. 
but there was this weird spin-off series with Kate Mulgrew in the 1970s called uh, Mrs. Columbo. Then it was called Kate Columbo. And then they yes. decided to drop the fact that it had any relation to Columbo whatsoever. And it's called a Kate Loves a Mystery because it was a terrible show. And nobody from Columbo had anything to do with the program. NBC just decided, hey, you know what? Uh, we should have his wife solving mysteries. Yeah, let's do that. And then they did that. And it was a terrible program. I'm shocked they it. never did a cartoon about dog solving mysteries. Oh, yeah, it's dog. <laughs> it could be. Draw that, John. Draw that to Hanna Barbera. You're not the boss of me. Or uh, so, the, then the so this co- is not, mystery. So this is not one of the craziest Columbo episodes. You're it telling me not. No. not. No, I mean, this is actually one of the best ones. This yeah. one's this one's this one's pretty straight, it, actually. This this is even one of Peter Falk's favorite. It's his third favorite episode. What? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's that is. To- what's the what's the number one episode? Yeah, of what's the favorite one? Uh, it's oh, actually, hmm. Any old port in a storm. I've not. I haven't seen that one. Is that with the okay. pirates in it? Please tell me that has pirates in it. It's a uh, Donald Pleasance. Oh, that creepy uh, oh, guy. Pleasance oh. is pretty great. That's yeah. pretty cool. All right, good. You guys are okay with that? Yeah, I don't. Yep. I don't care. I'll be sure. end up watching sure. it for the I, I'm stuff. shocked that that's one of his favorites because it didn't stand out to me, but it's uh, high up there. For, uh, just for the record, his second Number favorite two. was Forgotten Lady, which we haven't seen yet. Is that the one with the Have, old actress lady? Yeah, it's with. Um, yeah, uh, who is Forgotten? Yeah, I, 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 Edith Head is even in that briefly, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, she has a little cameo in there. And getting, um, him, getting him new clothes. His his fourth favorite was Identity Crisis, which ideally we'll be discussing. Yeah, we'll be talking that's the next one we'll be talking about in a couple weeks. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so, okay. This is the part of the program where I just kind of <laughs> ask folks, so what did you, you think what? of this? Where I kind of ask, these, ask folks, hey, what did you think of this overall? I'm going to start with John, just to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, uh, what, what did you think of this one in terms of being a uh, Columbus, uh, the mystery, the performances and whatnot? While I while I have the vacuum to discuss it, uh, <laughs> liter- literally one of my favorites, possibly my favorite Jack Cassidy episode. Yeah. I uh, of the recurring murderers. I love Cassidy the most. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, there's there's two scenes in this that absolutely murder me, and they're both uh, Falk interacting murder with Murder you, John! Good one! Sorry. And you, I'll, I'll trust you guys to show up 30 minutes from now and Hector whoever murdered me into admitting it. <laughs> uh, I I really love this one. I, I put it maybe in my top ten. Wow, okay. All right. Okay. Wow. Um, Aaron... What, what did you think of this as a Columbo episode? <laughs> well, I will start by saying this one also goes into my top ten. Only because <laughs> the only one I've ever seen, so just by that nature, it has to be the number one Columbo episode I've seen. Or uh, will ever see in your entire life, yes. I, I, could, I will say this. I will say this. Having never seen Columbo before, I expected something completely different. Well, that's a so, What did you expect exactly? I no just what I actually, about it through popular culture everything else what did you expect? What I expected was and this is actually why I ended up not liking it when I thought I would is because of my expectations were so off. I thought it was that Columbo is uh which he is a super smart detective who kind of plays everyone for a fool and then figures it out even though when they're lying to him and stuff. I did not expect the disparaging the amount of disparaging uh uh, that happens against Colombo. It kind of always felt like he was being made the fool. And it's interesting, John, that you said the thing about uh, the class, because that really makes a lot of sense, how it's actually like a, a note on class. And I think that uh, I was just seeing it for a very 
I was expecting a very different experience. Uh, and seeing the murder up top, uh, I think, is a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> the structure of it at all, because what, what that does, like every mystery I ever uh, I've, I've enjoyed uh, is um, – is because I like kind of seeing how I, I like uh, uh, the revelation of how it happened at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't like seeing that in the beginning because I kind of don't. Yeah, and for the first episode of watching Columbo, I don't have an emotional connection to Columbo. So that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. You know, so and I think that where you guys are, I think if I had seen, I probably I would say the next episode I watch of Columbo, you'd be used probably, to it. Yeah, I think now that I kind of know what to expect, I probably will enjoy it uh, because I like knowing that I'm supposed to enjoy uh, uh, seeing him make a fool out of like the 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 uh, famous and and wealthy uh, rather than supposing to supposed to enjoy uh, figuring out how the crime is done, which is to be fair, most crime novels and movies and this stuff, most whodunits. It's it's a who done it. It's not a done. You know, this guy did it. Yeah, you know, it's, right, it's, right, it's right. A, so, um, and I would say weirdly, in that way, I don't really see Columbo. I wouldn't classify Columbo as even a detective show. Honestly, I would detect. I would kind of describe it as more of a. Uh, I mean, it's not a drama. More of like kind of like a a a, a character study of just one guy because it's huh. not about. Who did it? It's about this guy. You know what I'm saying? It's not about crime. Even you, you could, you could take Columbo and make him uh, a fireman, right? And and it would be as compelling if you're seeing it through the lens of the, a class differential. There, you know, like he's a fireman and he helps out. You know, like these rich people have these great homes, but then they light on fire, and then he comes in and saves them and shows well, this them. This is like just a way they've chosen to actually give him a reason to interact and bump up against this other world. It just happens to and, be and, cop work. Absolutely, and so that's why I and that's why I think I'm I I was shocked and I didn't like it because I really do enjoy uh, crime novels and mysteries and all that stuff, but I wouldn't classify this as a mystery or or a crime because it, at the end of the day. It's about Columbo. It's kind of like how, how I mean, it's very much like how Monk, you know, is a is a show about an obsessive compulsive guy, and it doesn't matter that he's solving crimes or if oh, he's yeah. you know, a comic book artist and navigating that world. It's about watching this character navigate a world. It's not about the world. So I think in that way, I was it took me off guard um, because I was expecting, like I said, and I had no connection to Columbo before that. So, right. Uh, if you watch a second episode, you might have a little more connection to it. Right. Exactly. Because there was and and, and looking back on the episode, there were so many, I wish I could count the number of shots of Peter Falk's face, full frame, like mugging, mugging. Like there's one where he's like, Hey there, and he like winks at uh, at Santini, and there's another one where like after remember Santini leaves with that woman, uh, oh, and the then there's this, yeah, it kind of the camera swoops in on Falk's face, and he's kind of got that knowing smile because he's nailed him, you know, after the Martha Washington comment, right? And uh, there's so many shots like that, and looking back, that's because. That's what the audience wants to see. That's why they're watching Columbo is for Columbo. They're not watching it for the mystery, you know. So, um, well, if we if we can get you to watch a second episode, there's one with George Went. Okay. <laughs> no, dear God, no. 
Is that, is that a terrible episode? Yeah. It's, it's literally the worst. Yeah, it's it's, oh, which, oh, it's, which might be fine for you. You might actually get quite a lot out of that. Yeah, now, just uh, angry at it. What makes it the worst? Is that because it's like acting and stuff, or is it just not focused on Columbo enough? It's, uh, what makes it so bad is that it's really poorly thought out. Ah. And also, George Wendt is not what I would call your finest dramatic actor. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's not exactly the new Laurence Olivier. Okay, uh, I have even a little, the old one. I have a little yes. thought experiment. I don't want to get in front of RJ too much talking about whether he liked the episode or not. But no, I liked it. I'm uh, done. Okay, for Aaron. That's it. I liked it. There we go. So, Aaron, well, let's, uh, let's cast yourself back. Now, let's, let's leave you at your current age. We're going to send you back to February 29th, 1976, the night this episode aired. Okay. You're, you've got the remote control, the the five pound remote control for your your living room size television set. The, the Zenith Space Command, yes. Yeah. Zenith Space Command. It's eight p.m. on a Sunday night. You're looking for something to watch. Here are your choices. You've got. Hold on, let me. Yeah. Get, I actually have a Zenith Space Command. I'll, I'll click it. All right, we're ready. I'm ready. Amazing. Here we go. Perfect. Ready. All right. On NBC, you've got your NBC Sunday mystery movie featuring Columbo, or <laughs> holy crap. That sounds like a shotgun being cut. <laughs> Over on CBS, you could be watching the Sonny and Cher show. Whoa. Or on, we... on, on ABC, the $6 million man. What gets your click? Oh, I got a good show about herons. About what? About herons. Yeah, oh. just... uh, uh, I got a $6 million man, honestly. All right. But you know what? That's I'm coming from... Um, well, how old am I? Is the next question. I mean, I maybe at the current age you currently are. Oh, six million dollar man, I'd say. Well, only okay. only because uh, <laughs> uh, because uh, I mean that show is also garbage if you've seen it lately. Uh, but it's I, I was raised on like a steady diet of like a team and that kind of stuff, so I'm more used to the you know uh, the pacing of those shows. Like the other thing about. This Columbo that really struck me, I was shocked when it was uh, an hour and 30 minutes. I was like, holy Moses, how is that even possible? <laughs> and, but a lot of stuff in the 70s, you know, like you go back and you watch like French Connection or like all those, you know, Bullet, which is supposed to have this amazing car chase and then just ends up being like a very overly long car chase. Right. <laughs> it's kind of not right. super exciting. It's just a different, it's just a different time and a different pacing and all that stuff. And with some movies, like The Conversation, that pacing works very well. Right. You know, but, with Columbo, like, you know, what I do for a job, my whole job as a comedian is to take air out of stuff and make it as tight and funny and good as possible. And so it was just torture watching an hour and a half <laughs> of Peter Falk, his fucking glass eyes, stumble around in a new raincoat talking to this SS magician. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, lose this scene. Lose this. We don't need any of this. Like, it just it felt so self-indulgent. But... That's also the pacing of the time. I mean, I think if you had put out, uh, you know, if you put out a show now, if you, if you like to reverse your thought experiment, if you take somebody who is about to watch Columbo on that night and put them into and make them watch NCIS or even something like Walker, Texas Ranger, they would be like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh. How did that guy get there? How did that guy get to that room? Why do we, you know, you're just like, whereas like in, in Columbo, you watch everyone like, oh my God. And now he's talking to the guy. Now he's talking to this. <laughs> guy. Oh God, this fuck. You see like every person 
every person who gets introduced, he has to have like six scenes with. So I'm like, please don't introduce any more characters. Oh, okay. Now there's now there's this guy. Holy shit! Now he's got to talk to the head of the thing. Now you know it's just like so. Well, I tell uh, you, here's here's what you'd be watching on Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, Steve becomes a big brother to an unruly Spanish teenager. Oh boy! Ooh. How does he use his special bionic powers with that? that that's yeah, I, what? That's ridiculous. Uh, he should be beating uh, up spies. Yeah, exactly. Jesus uh, Christ! I mean, like he, I said, that show is savagely tough. beats the Spanish teenager. Oh, okay. And on that <laughs> note, on that <laughs> note, ah, Poppy, Oh, Mino Gusta, Oh dear. Uh, well, thank you, Aaron, for doing the program. Um, folks, if they want to see your stuff, uh, what should they be seeking out and where the heck should they find it? Go to – well, you can watch Conan at 11 on TBS. Oh, they I'm still have that? They still have that network? That's good. They still have that network. That's yeah. right. It's all between us, Tyler Perry, and old episodes of Columbo on TBS. <laughs> I thought Conan was just someone who watches on TBC. And, uh, yeah, uh, teamcoco.com for all that stuff. FashionChat2.com and then just AaronBlair.com. All right, which, cool. and I'll oh, put this episode on there when uh, when when you guys release it. So. Oh, you, you're too nice. Um, oh, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, doing the program. And you know what? It, it's it was actually interesting to have this different kind of perspective to it. So it's not <laughs> just everybody going like, "Oh, Columbus the best." Like, no, it was good to have somebody say like. I, this didn't work for me, and here's why it didn't work for me. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, he could. And, you, and know, you definitely fit that bill in spades. So. Instead of a cigarette, uh, where he's looking, or instead of a match, looking through his raincoat for a match, he should uh, look through his raincoat for better writers and an editor who's not afraid to make a cut. Holy oh God! Oh, Ooh. hey, hey, yeah, take. You know what? It's going to be funny. Take that, Michael Sloan and Harvey Hart. It's going to be funny in a month when I'm like obsessed with Columbo. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> have a competing podcast six times. Exactly. Well, actually, it's interesting you bring up the writing because the guy who wrote this episode ended up—he's uh, the creator of the Equalizer. So, what? holy yeah. shit! Yeah. There so you go. ages later, he did yeah. that. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Love it. Right. He was well, about somebody to take some action. <laughs> there you all. go. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you uh, once again for being on, um, folks. If you want to uh, listen to the show, uh, you can find us new episodes or old at thecitydesk.net slash just one more thing or the podcast section of iTunes. Just search for just one more thing. Uh, we have a Tumblr. Uh, where John usually posts the new episodes and also uh, screen caps he takes, plus anything you folks send in. That's at teamcolombo.tumblr.com. And speaking of folks sending stuff in, if you want to write to us, ask us questions, uh, let us know if we're doing well or poorly, or uh, maybe you've got a couple opinions about Aaron's opinions. Yeah, you <laughs> certainly might. Uh, you can write to us. You can write to us at Columbo at thecitydesk.net. That's the program for this time around. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Is he? Uh, is he gone? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I think so. Okay. I uh, I liked that episode. Yeah, me too. I huh. yeah. want to watch it again. Yeah, let's watch it again. Okay. All right.